So needless to say, uh, I have a word in my heart that I really want to share, and I, and I, I, believe, I firmly believe it's relevant to everybody in the room, but I, I do have to say that I, I do want to speak from my youth leader heart for a minute here, and, and I do want to speak to parents because I, I want to make this clear. Since I started in, in youth ministry, which was December, we're almost at a year, so since I started in youth ministry, I've, I've learned a couple things, and I realized that when, when parents used to first approach me, or even if it's a sibling or a spouse of a youth and young adult, they would come up and they would say, you know, they're really struggling, we can't get them to come to church, their life is in a mess, what can you do? And my natural response was always, okay, give me their info, I'll take them to lunch, we'll hang out, let's be friends. Because I had a, a, a good understanding that that the true life change is made through the context of community and discipleship is so important and relationship is so important. And I really mean that, but, uh, I found by trying to do that, this is what happened. First of all, I had the church admin and my wife looking at me like, you might as well open a soup kitchen with all this money that you're spending on these lunches. And second of all, I realized that the list just kept getting longer and longer and longer. And it makes no sense to have a five, six week list, or I should say five or six weeks out of list of people to have lunch with and hang out with to talk to about Jesus. And this is what I discovered that one, they, they're not, they don't need me. They're not looking for me. They're looking for Jesus. And two, and honestly, the, the, the more important one is I need to help people understand that I have a calling and don't take this wrong in a couple areas. One, for sure, I know I'm called to take care of my, my home, my personal house, my wife, my kids. And also, too, uh, I believe that God has, has put a call in my life to, to do certain things in this house, in his house. And as much as I believe in discipleship, as much as I want to reach every young person that I can, by, by way of the Holy Spirit, of course, I want you to understand something that might offend people. I'm not called to your house. And I don't want you guys to take that wrong. And, and, and some of the doctrine or theology guys might get on me. I might be saying this wrong, but this is what I want you guys to understand. The things that I'm hearing is I'm having trouble getting them to go to church. I'm having trouble getting them to do the things that we're asking them to do in the house. So this is what I'm seeing as a deep root. You have youth and young people living in your house under their own rules. So if they're able to do that, why are they going to listen to me? So this is my encouragement. Keep pushing them towards Jesus. Keep, establish your house. Establish, I, it was established in my house, believe me. I mean, obviously you can say, well, of course it was. But believe me, we had, I got kicked out of the bed plenty of times. I got drug. I came here with plenty of attitudes. But establish it in your house to give, get them in the house of God. Keep letting those seeds get planted. Okay, keep letting those seeds just flow in. Because I'm telling you, I, I, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, there were times when I was younger... There was times when I was younger where I had nothing but attitude. I was stiff. I, was, I, I felt the pressures of the world on me when it was just put on by myself, when it came to school, when it came to sports. And I don't know how many of you guys remember waiting under the tree for your parents to pick you up from school. You know, and I used to, you know, wait under the tree and my mom would pull up in our van. And I'd open the door. And you know, you can kind of catch a glimpse of someone's family when, when they open the door to get in the car. And it would sound like a gospel concert. And it was so embarrassing. I'm not kidding. It was so embarrassing. I opened the door and it just sounded like church, you know, and I get in there and then that's the last thing I wanted to hear, you know, but I sit down and I'd be just so wound up and bound up just this stiff little insecure kid. But you know what? My mom was worshiping or she was just listening and she was enjoying Jesus for herself. 
and those seeds were being planted. Those seeds were being planted. And it's funny because now, like, I'm a 32-year-old dad and ministry leader, and there's times where I have stress, and there's times where I get insecure, and there's times where I get uncomfortable, and I still hear words, with Jesus I can make it. With him I know I can stand. No matter what may come my way, my life is in your hands. And I say, and I, the only reason I I'm, it's not about that, but the reason I, I, the reason I sing that is because I haven't heard that song in 20 years. I haven't heard that song in 20 years, but what God said is I want to put this inside of you. I'm going to put this in your mind. I'm going to put this in your heart and I'm going to put this in your spirit because even though you're rejecting it now, even though you don't want it now and you don't get why you're hearing it now, you're going to need this. And when you do need it, I'm going to bring it back to you and it's going to make a lot of sense to you. So parents, I'm just encouraging you keep throwing those seeds out. You don't know where it's going to land. I will never sing up here again. I'm not sure where that, okay. So, so I've got a word in my heart that I just want to share. And I, I, I really believe that it's just, it's going to be a fun word. It's a very relevant word. And, and based on what I've heard from last week, I didn't listen to last week's message, but I was, I was instructed by more than one person, leave the parents alone now. I, I don't know what you guys heard last week, but apparently you got the message. So this is just for everybody. We're going to enjoy ourselves. So let's go to Luke chapter 10. Go to Luke chapter 10 here, if you don't mind. And we're going to just be reading from uh, verse 38 through 42. Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and it says this. I'm reading from the NLT for now. And it says this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset all over these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. I thank you uh, for the chance to to speak from my heart regarding the word that you've put in there. God, I ask that you move me out of the way. I ask that you continue uh, to just let me be your vessel in this moment. Fill me with your spirit. I ask that you open ears and hearts. I thank you for every person uh, that's here. God, I know that there are no mistakes in this room, and each person that's here was orchestrated to be here by you. We lift you up in Jesus' name. Amen. So over the past about a year and a half, I've had a lot of opportunity to travel. I really love traveling. And... uh, my parents kind of started that with me from a very young age. We would travel. We didn't have much, but we would, we would load up the van, and we'd load up all the food from it for pretty much the whole trip in the car, and we would, we would do quite a bit of road trips. So uh, traveling is just kind of my thing now. And um, my two favorite cities, I think, I've never been overseas yet. Don't judge. I've never been overseas, but, but my, my two favorite cities in the U.S. so far are, are San Diego, which I know is kind of a common answer, but I love the beach, and I love perfect weather. And even though it's close, it's still really cool. And New York City. New York City is my favorite in the East Coast, and I, I knew the New Yorkers were going to get all excited. New, New York people are kind of like vegans and CrossFitters. They hear New York, and they get all pumped up and excited, and they want to have a conversation about it every time. Relax. We know you're from New York. You know, but it's, it's, those are my two favorite cities, and, and there was a time. There was a time uh, when Karina and I reached our one-year mar- marriage anniversary. We went to New York. We, we took a trip there, and... The honest truth, there were two things, besides hanging with my wife, there was two things that I was really excited about. Eating out and shopping for shoes. That's the least manly thing you'll hear me say today, I promise you that. 
but it's the honest truth. That's just, that's just me. I, I was excited about that. Right. And I left extra space in my bags and, 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 and we did that. And, and I even did a little bit of my homework. I looked up a pair of shoes that was exclusive to here and you couldn't find it in Yuma. And, and the, the colorway was the one that everybody wanted at the time. And it was the stylish. I was like, man, I'm going to get those. And I drugged this poor girl all over the city of New York from borough to borough, from cabs, uh, buses, subways. I was calling and emailing and I finally got my hands on them. I finally got my hands on them, and I bought a couple other pairs over the trip, but here's the story. So, so I came home, and, I, and I'm so excited, right? I invested way too much time, way too much effort, and way too much money into these shoes, but I was pumped up. So I called one of my friends over. I'm like, hey, come, come see what I got going here. You know, I laid them out, and of course, I, the most exclusive ones I put on the end. And he, and he comes through, and at the time, actually, he was an AWC football player, and at the time, he comes through, and he's like, these are cool. These are cool. These are cool. And then I'm waiting. These are my babies right here. And I'm like, he picks them up. He goes, I know a lot of people with these. In fact, they're not really that much in style anymore. So most guys just wear them to the weight room. Get out of my house. I invested a lot of time. I invested a lot of effort. I had to get her a couple pedicures to fix her, fix her situation. We were all over the city. And I realized I put all that into something that was just going to come and go. In fact, I went to my closet not long after, and I was looking for a pair of shoes to cut the grass in. And I was like, these don't mean much. I'll just go outside and cut the grass in these. So those were very expensive, time-spent lawn mowing shoes. And that's the name of this message tonight, lawn mowing shoes. But you see, that wasn't a huge change in my life. It didn't cause a huge adjustment. It didn't cause me to be too, too frustrated. I didn't have to take too much of a loss. But how often does something like that happen in, in our lives when it's maybe something like a relationship? We put all our time, we put all our effort. Sometimes we put money. Sometimes we set things aside. We remove people from our lives. We add other people from, to our lives just for this relationship. And then it turns out it's a relationship that just comes and goes. It's not like a pair of shoes, though, because that'll leave you broken. That'll leave you hurt. That'll leave you confused. That'll leave you wondering what's going on in your life and your heart. Because this investment you made, uh, this thing that you were doing that you thought was the right thing, and th that made you so comfortable at the time, just came and went. Other people have faced situations similar to my father-in-law. My father-in-law was first generation in the United States, first one to go to college. Karina lived some of her life on a, on a college campus because her parents worked so hard to get through school. And he became a, an awesome teacher, an amazing principal. And then after a while, he realized his ride was over. He realized this career that I felt like I could do forever, this career that I thought, you know, would kind of take me all the way to the end of my life. It came and went. It was a good career. It's not that he was booted out, he retired, but it still got to a point where he was like, wow, these things don't last forever. It just comes and goes. And it can leave you confused. It can leave you a bit broken. It can leave you in a place where you're wondering, now what? And I'm sure they're not the only ones who have been through things like that. I think a lot of you guys, you guys are thinking of situations, maybe relationships, maybe jobs, maybe even churches, there are churches I've known of that have done excellent things for a period of time and people served faithfully and people gave faithfully and they really invested and that church came and went. That can leave you pretty hurt. That can leave you pretty broken. It can leave you pretty confused. 
One of my good friends, he, uh, he told me one time we were talking about raising kids and we have two kids and, and he has two old, much older kids. And he said, you know, the hardest part about it all, it just went by too fast. It went by too fast. And you see, luckily, even though we sometimes end up a little confused and broken over the things that come and go, we still have hope. And luckily, we're not the only ones who have been in a situation where we've invested probably maybe a, a little too much or we thought something was going to last forever or we thought we were doing the right thing and we thought we were in a situation where something wasn't going to come and go and learned a lesson. In the Bible here, Jesus, Jesus is, is having this interaction with Mary and Martha, you know, before this, Jesus had already sent out the 72. Jesus was, was going around being awesome, being Jesus. And he came to the house and it says, Martha welcomed him in. Martha welcomed him in. And what Mary did is Mary immediately, as he came in, she sat down at his feet. And I imagine her, I imagine her sitting down. Uh, I think we're supposed to say crisscross applesauce these days. Indian style is not okay, I believe. Crisscross applesauce. That's how I imagine her sitting down at his feet. And, and, and can't we already learn a lesson from what Mary did? Because the way they describe it says Mary, Mary sat down at his feet and she began to listen to his teaching. I believe Mary gave us an incredible example of posture in the presence of Jesus. I think there are a lot of times where we get in the presence of God or we get in the presence of Jesus and we sit down and we say, I will respond once I feel something. Mary positioned herself from the minute that Jesus was in the room in a position uh, of attentive listening, and she was ready to receive. She didn't, she didn't wait. She, she met him, and she didn't wait for him to, to do some miracle in the house. He, he, she didn't wait for him to come and touch her and do something that's going to cause her to respond. She sat at his feet and began to listen. I think we can learn a lesson from that. Sometimes we don't lift our hands until the, the song moves us. Is he not worthy of our praise before the song moves us? I believe our posture, our posture in the presence of God is something that can, that can truly uh, make a change not only in our life, but also in our worship, in our level of praise, and, all, and also to what God can do through us in our worship and in our praise. Now, while she was doing that, Martha, at the same time, was being a host, a hostess. She was taking care of people. She was cooking. She was setting the table. She was making sure everybody had a comfortable place to sit. She was truly being a good hostess. And she was doing so well that she felt the need to confirm that with Jesus, that she was doing the right thing and that she was doing what she was supposed to and that Mary was not. Let's go back to the passage here. And what does it say? It says, Mary went and she said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just, and this is, I'm sorry, this is verse 40. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work. Tell her to come and help me. Now, that was her sister. She could have went to Mary, and she could have been like, hey, get over here and help me. But instead, she thought she was going to make an example out of Mary. She thought, hey, I'm doing the right thing. I want Jesus to confirm that so Mary can learn what he sh- she should have been doing when he got here. Now, how many of us believe that the Bible is very uh, strategic? Is not even the best word for it, but everything in the Bible is in place for a reason, where it's at, how it's there, how it's said. Right before this passage, Jesus tells a story of the Good Samaritan. In the story of the Good Samaritan, what do we learn? We learn about having a servant's heart. We learn about mercy. 
We learn about the things that makes us reach a couple dollars out the window at Walmart on Avenue B or give our extra Panda Express, right? It's those things that say, hey, the, 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 the people on the side of the road, you are no better than them. So have a servant's heart, right? It's right before this. So me, in my mind, after reading that, I get pulled in and I start thinking, I kind of have a mindset of a Martha. After reading about being a servant, I see her serving and I have a mindset of a Martha and, and I'm reading what she's saying and she's like, Jesus, don't you, don't you see what I'm doing? Everybody's sitting here comfortable. I, I welcomed everybody into my house. You smell this beans, rice, and tacos cooking in here. I mean, aren't you, you're hungry and she's sitting here just listening to what you have to say. And I, I have the NLT version, but I actually, I actually like what the ESV says uh, to Jesus' response instead because he says, Martha, Martha. And the ESV says it twice. And I, and I firmly believe he says that in a way to say, hey, whoa, calm down and listen. And I love the fact that he says, he says, well, uh, let me say this first. Let me backtrack. Jesus doesn't say anything about, to Martha about what she's doing wrong. In fact, he doesn't even say that she's doing anything wrong. But this is what he says. He says, there's, he says, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. I saw some of the commentaries say that, that what Jesus was saying was like, you're getting pulled in all these different directions. But there's only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and will not be taken from her. And what Jesus was doing, he didn't say, Martha, you need to stop what you're doing, or Martha, you're wrong. I believe that he wanted to shift her mindset. He wanted to shift her mindset. Serving is fine. I want you to serve. I want you to prepare for people. I want you to to treat others well. I want you to treat me well. But understand this, nothing you can do is gonna outweigh what she's doing. And more importantly, listen to this. And this is the part I really want you guys to catch. There may come a day where she's not able to prepare meals anymore. There may come a day where she may not be able to host anymore. There may come a day when she's not able to set the table anymore. But Mary, she can forever sit and listen to the voice of Jesus. She can forever sit and hear his word. She can forever sit in his presence. That's something, and he said, that's something that can never be taken away from her. So understand this, Martha, as good as those things are, let's not forget what's most important and let's not forget to focus on what's eternal. Let's put ourselves as Martha now because you guys are like, all right, preacher boy, junior, what are you talking about? And what does this have to do with shoes in New York City? So this is where we're at. Let's put ourselves in the place of Martha because, because sometimes we do some good things in our mind, good things in our heart. And it looks like what Martha is saying, Lord, don't you see me building this great career? Don't you see me building this business? Don't you see me building this ministry? Don't you see me raising these kids, these little honor roll kids? Don't you see what I'm doing? And what's Jesus looking over saying? That's good and all. You're doing a great job, but let's not forget. There's only one thing that's eternal. There's only one thing that can't be taken away from you. There's only one thing that you can do. There's only one presence you can be in that you'll never lose. There's only one that's eternal. And this is what I want you guys to understand. And this is the big idea of this message today. I'm almost at tonight. I'm so used to preaching on Tuesday nights. If I say tonight, just, just stay with God and just keep, don't, don't let it. Cause I, cause I hear, sometimes I hear a pastor stumble and say something and it just throws me off the rest of the time. I can't wait to text him and tell him and I laugh. But if I say tonight, just know I'm used to preaching on Tuesday nights here to the kids. Or if I call you guys kids, um, 
But here's the main idea. Your focus on the eternal one will forever give you life. Your focus on the eternal one will forever give you life. So, so what am I saying? What are you saying? Don't put as much effort into my career. Don't put as much effort into my kids. Should I change the amount of emotion, the amount I'm investing into my family or this business? That's not what I'm saying at all. I've never done this before. Good, can we see that? So this is what I'm saying. I'm saying here, you get yourself in a position where you, your career is so important to you and your career is growing, your career is thriving and you're at this point where you, you feel like God is blessing your career, God is growing your career and, he, and he's giving you opportunities, opening up doors for you. So what happens is your mind and your heart is all driven in this one direction. It's driven towards career. Your, your mindset, every day, your day is designed around it. What you do, your routes, your vacations, everything is designed around career. But you know what can happen? You know what can happen? At any moment, it can be wiped away because careers aren't eternal. But now, and Jerry has did an excellent job preaching on it a couple weeks ago, we can't change our trajectory that easy. We're not designed that way. And if this is our focus, if this is where our heart is, if this is all we know, we're going to keep going in that direction. How many people wake up at the same time uh, of your work day on your day off? We keep going in that direction, right? We keep going and we keep having that mindset. But now what are we hitting? What are we tapping? What are we logging into? Emptiness, brokenness, insecurity, doubt, because that career is gone and I'm still going in the same direction, but now I'm not getting any fulfillment from it, right? It's gone. Don't think family can't, I don't know how to, don't think family can't, can't be the same way. I, I stopped working. I stopped working so I can stay home and take care of my kids. I, 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 I'm on every PTA board. Uh, the, all the kids come and hang out at my house. My house is always packed and I make lunch and dinner for everybody. Uh, we go on family vacations. I go to the park with a full bus full of kids. But then what happens when, when my kids grow up and they leave my house and they no longer want to have lunch with me every day. They don't want to be on the phone with me hours and hours a day. They, they have to establish their own lives. They need healthy separation. They, we need a healthy balance so that they can live their lives and I can live mine. But see, I'm not saying the family is eliminated, but the dynamic of family that you've understood and grown with, the, the dynamic of family that you've put your soul trust in is now gone. And you're hitting on loneliness. You're hitting on insecurity. You feel like they don't love you anymore. You feel like they don't want to be around you anymore. Because the only mindset you had is pouring everything I have into my family. And now that your family doesn't have the same dynamic, now emptiness, brokenness. You got to learn how to love your wife again. You got to learn how to find friends again. You got to learn how to go to eat at restaurants that don't have a play place. You know, you're doing all these different things. And understand this. And, that's my situation. Understand this. But I want you to understand this. This can, all this can all change. And you guys might be thinking, so now what? What do I do? Because those are good things. Family's good. Career's good. Ministry's good. I'm pouring my life, pouring my heart into these things. So, so, so what are you saying? I shouldn't do that anymore? I shouldn't, I shouldn't do that. But this is, this is what happens. And this is how we do it. So here's that, okay? So this is what happens. Instead, and I'll even have, I'm going to put a C here because your career's back and your family's back. Congratulations. So this is what we're going to do. From the beginning, 
Or if we have to start now, we're going to tap here. We're going to tap here because here there's peace. Here there's fullness. Here there's joy. Here there's restoration. Here there's love. And guess what? You take that away, I'm still tapping here. I'm still just fine. I'm tapping here. There's nothing that can be taken away from me. I may have to make some adjustments because that's gone, but I still have peace. I still have love. I still have joy because I'm putting everything I I have and everything I am into here. So if you take these away for one reason or another, ball players, I got to think, I got to bring this up. We got a lot of athletes in here. Listen, there's going to be times where all of a sudden the recruiting process changes or you pop that ACL and it will really set you back. I don't want to ignore that. I don't want to act like that's not an issue. And that can really change the trajectory of your life and you can, you can really get messed. But I tell you, you just keep coming here. You keep coming here. They can take that away. You keep coming here. You're going to still feel fulfilled. You're going to have peace, love, joy, goodness, kindness, self-control, all that stuff that Arya can say. And sometimes I forget, but listen, we keep coming here. So what about the Marthas? What about the Marthas in the room? What about the Marthas in the room? Because what the, what the Marthas are going to say is, well, there's still things to get done, right? We still have to, I mean, I can, of course I can pour, pour my life into Jesus, but I need a career. I want a family. I want to do recreational things. Did I put that to, oh, I want to have relationships. But here's what happens. We keep tapping here. What do we do? We're getting in the word and we're getting in prayer. And we're getting in communion with God. And the more we get in that word, the more we get in prayer, we realize that Proverbs teaches us how to raise our children. So our family's going to be just fine. Ephesians teaches us how to be a good husband, how to be a good wife. So we're going to be just fine. We keep tapping into this. Uh, Colossians 3.23 tells us how to work hard. So our career is going to be just fine because the more we get into him, he's going to turn his desires into our desires. He's going to turn his abilities into our abilities. He's going to turn his favor into our favor, his blessings into our blessings. And these things are going to be just fine as long as we keep tapping into here. You guys with me? We good there? So we get to these verses and the word, we get to a verse that like, like Matthew 6, 33. And it says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all this will be added to you. And we have to be careful how we approach that verse because so often we seek, seek first the kingdom and we consider it first. We seek first the kingdom remain there and all will be added. We don't have to seek the kingdom and then go figure out what we're going to seek next. It will be added. It's going to be added to us. We don't have to look further. We don't have to look beyond. If we seek his kingdom and we get into his word, we get into our prayer time. That's why we have the Holy Spirit. It's going to lead us and guide us and direct us that we don't have to seek anything else but him, his righteousness, his love, his freedom. And he's going to walk us through. And the band can come up. I'm about done. The band come up. There's one more verse. And this, and this, this is the youth leader coming out of me. And parents, this is what I want, I want you to understand. There's one more verse that we talk about. And we, we, we look at it a certain, certain way from a certain direction. And, and, and I believe uh, it's, it's good and it's healthy that we look at it that way. But this is what, what I want us to truly understand. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Right? So we start quoting that um, when we're getting frustrated in traffic or we're about to shoot a free throw and the game's on the line or, or we're, we're, we're start to turn in that job application or different things like that or when we're raising our kids. But, but understand this. We think about so much we can do all things, but we have to make sure we're doing all things like this. Don't come up and tell me how good your kid's GPA is if you're not raising them like this. Don't come and tell me how many touchdowns they scored if you're not leading them in this direction, don't come and tell me uh, how great of a dancer they are and their scholarship applications that are coming in, all these different things, uh, scholarship applications, I think anybody can get that, but scholarship rewards, 
if you're not leading them to this. Because believe me, there's going to come a time where you're going to wish you did. Because as much as, as great as it is to pour into them and as great as it is to invest in them and as much as you want to help them have the things that you never had, if they don't have this, you're, gonna, you're leading them to brokenness. You're investing into problems. You're investing into insecurity. You're investing into doubt in their life. Because if they don't have this, I don't care if they have a 9.9 GPA. I don't care if they score 35 touchdowns a day. Listen, if you don't invest in that there, you're going to be backtracking. You're going to set back, they're going to set back to their life. So I'm asking you, parents, saints, I always wanted to use that word, saints. I'm asking you, saints. What's our number one? What are we focusing on? Are we focusing on the eternal? Are we focusing on the stuff? Because the stuff is going to come and go like those lawn mowing shoes. I'm not saying your family is going to break apart. I'm not saying you're going to lose your career. But there's only one thing that we know that we can do forever on this earth that we'll do forever once we leave this earth. And that's the eternal. And there's only one thing that we can invest in. There's only one thing that can never let us down. There's always a return on that investment, and that's him. That's a life devoted to him. That's a life lived for him. That's a life directed to him. And parents, I promise you, you keep planting those seeds. You keep spiritually investing into your kids. You keep putting them in position where they can hear the word. Keep putting them in position where they can be surrounded by people who are going to love them. And you're going to see a return on your investment. Invest spiritually into your family, invest spiritually into your job, invest spiritually into your community. I'm gonna ask you guys to stand to your feet. Philip and I, we were at a we were at a conference this past weekend. We flew in last night, and there was a pastor who who, who said something. Uh, he was talking about if if you want God to rock your city and invade your city in a way that only He can do. He said, there's a few things that you need to do. He said, you have to have an encounter with God. You have to live a life devoted to holiness. And you have to go. And he really pushed down on that encounter with God part. And he really really just started to stir our hearts. And it's funny because the more he talked and the more he prayed, me and Philip standing next to each other. And we literally, I'm not lying, could not stop crying. And this is why it wasn't because as we thought about our city, we started thinking about the things that we wish God would do. It's not that we started begging him for the things that we hoped he could do or would do. It's because he began to show us what he would do if the vessels will step out and just say yes. He began to reveal to us. He began to give us the dreams. He began to give us the visions of what he will do. If we have that encounter with him and step out and just say, yes, I'm going to lead my home to that one thing. I'm going to lead my job to that one thing. I'm going to lead my ministry to that one thing. Yeah, there's a lot of good things in the earth that he gives us the opportunity to do. There's a lot of good things in the earth that he gives us the opportunity to partake in. But it all should center back to what's eternal. It all leads and finishes with what's eternal. And I'm going to ask you today to search your heart. It's not one of those situations where you, you, you need to think of some emotional response or some, there's some specific thoughts in your mind and it's, it's, it's just grabbing you. So, so you just you need to break down for a minute. I, 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 want you to, I want this to be a little more practical, a little more of an applic- application type of thing. 
What are you investing your mind into? What are you investing your heart into? What are you investing your time into? What are you modeling for your kids to invest in? What in your home is seen as most important? I know kids who tell me their parents will beat their butt if they miss school. But it's no big deal to miss youth group. I know people here who haven't missed a day of work in 20 years, but go to life group every three weeks. Missing church on a Sunday is not a big deal. It's not about me trying to recruit for life groups or trying to, but I, I'm just trying to get in, in you guys' mentalities a little bit. I'm trying to get in, in, I shouldn't say you guys, in our mentalities, in our feelings, in our thoughts, because it's something that we face every day. And if we're not careful, it can pass us by and we don't even realize we're doing it. So I'm going to invite the altar workers up. And I just really want um, to have a time of worship. The band, the team is going to say, are you guys going to sing one thing? They're going to sing a song about the one thing that's most important and about if we don't have that one thing, nothing else really matters. And if you feel that you need to connect with somebody, if you'd like to pray about your priorities, about the condition of your heart, about something that you've been really driving yourself or driving your family towards, something that your heart has really been deepened and invested into beyond Christ, today's your day. It's really, it's really not a hard thing because you know what? This is a decision you don't have to make alone. When you, he says, he says, draw to me and I will draw to you. If you make that decision to live that life devoted to him, to, to, to look at that chart and say, things can come and go, but I'm going to just keep walking with you, riding with you. Yeah. There are going to be some moments. There are going to be some adjustments. There are going to be some challenges, but it's a guarantee. It's a guarantee to lead you to the eternal. It's a guarantee that you always experience his love, always experience his peace. The things that matter the most, the eternal things of our soul are a guarantee because of a life with him. Other things can come and go, but we're going to focus on the eternal because it forever gives life. Father, I thank you. I thank you for each person that's here. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the fact that you give us the opportunity to, to hear from you, to, to, to listen to you like Mary did, to position ourselves, to posture ourselves, to receive from you. I ask God that your word just uh, dwells in our hearts and our minds. If there's anyone here today, Lord, that, that uh, is receiving from you, God, I ask that they step outside of themselves and they reach to you. Whether they come forward or not, God, I ask that they reach to you. I ask that they have that encounter with you. I ask that they have that moment with you that changes their lives forever. I lift up every family in here, God. I thank you that you give us the opportunity to do things like pursue relationships, pursue careers, pursue sports, pursue uh, recreation. I thank you that we can do that. And God, I ask that you continue to allow us to do it excellently. But let our focus be on the eternal. Let our focus be on the one that designed us. Let our focus be on the one that gives us the dream, that gives us the determination to live a life of purpose that gives us the, the, the opportunity to know God, find freedom, discover our purpose and make a difference. We thank you, Lord, for your presence. We thank you for your reality. In Jesus' name, amen.